The Nar Dog. The Nar Dogs are here. We're back at it. We're ready. It's Christmas time, and we're feeling good. Yeah, I got my hat on backwards. I'm ready to fucking party. (laughs) I got my roller skates tied up, man. I got a fucking hockey stick in one hand and like football in the other. Like we're ready to get Nar, bro. The kids get Nar. Get get Nar, bro. I got some cheese with <laughs> our new, our new <laughs> podcast. I don't know what kid did. This is our new the decom nar. podcast. The kids get, get nar, nar, bro. <laughs> the, kid, the kids get nar. It's like the kids are all right, but the kids are nar. <laughs> the kids are all nar, bra. Yeah, it's just all these movies are just about parents who won't let their kids get nar. Yeah, dude. Right? Like literally, double crossed is a little oh, like no not double cross uh du- that's double teamed i'm thinking of whoa whoa uh, double team and that's literally one of those films it's called double team uh, no uh, uh no motocrossed is about a girl who uh which i mean actually phil i messaged you the other day saying we should do another like we yes. should bring back the uh body swap season but we yeah, have a, a twist on it. <laughs> a, it's a lesson to father season uh but put a twist on it where it's a gender bender season where it's just like mm. playing with swapping gender roles and stuff because those are always yeah. super fun and one of those is literally motocrossed on decom like one of the decom mm. films motocross where a girl literally dresses up as her brother so that she can like pretend to get nar that she is her brother to to get nar motocross <laughs> Because she so, can't get nar because she's a girl. And yeah, yeah. You're like, you're a girl, bra. You can't get nar, bra. <laughs> Girls like can't Mulan, get nar. Like <laughs> Girls can't get nar. <laughs> dude, Mulan's another one, dude. Gender bender season. She's just trying to get nar. <laughs> she and wants the to chop some the fucking heads keep off trying to nar, bra. Yeah. Uh, welcome to the Patras. <laughs> Pod Nar Cinecast presented by the Prince Charles Cinema Bra. This is your host, Jonathan Foster, and I'm here today with my little. Ooh, he's being a little bit spooky at uh, Christmas time, bra. He's. (laughs) He is. He is actually. You know, I don't know. Not to. We've already said maybe a couple of times that Phil is uh, Santa Claus at the Prince Charles Cinema. So maybe, just maybe. With the film mm. we're talking about today, maybe today, maybe he today? just needs to be a little bit careful because I don't know. Maybe some little kids at these Muppet Christmas Carol screenings, you know, might just want to kidnap Mr. Sandy Claus. 
So Phil, how are you doing? Are you feeling okay? Are you are you safe? Are you are you? It's fine. Going? If any are of them the try to kidnap on? me, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna kick them in the balls. <laughs> For next week. That's next week. Okay. That's yeah, next cool. week. Go, cool, cool. Kick all these little kids in the ball. Okay. <laughs> cool. Cool, cool, cool. These kids, they get on stage, they get a bit larry. They're asking for way too much shit. And I'm like, that's not what the spirit of Christmas is about, bruh. And I throw them off stage. <laughs> yeah. Get gnar with that. And they're like, man. I want a new stuff. Yeah, bro. Like, they want a new bike. They want, they were like, oh, I want a new bike. It was like, nah, man, you want to get gnar. No. <laughs> give them gnar, put them in the pockets, and they leave. <laughs> I hand out nine and I come in. Yeah, for real though. How's it, how are the Santa screenies going? Okay. <clears throat> um, yeah, they're going well. I think. I mean, the audience should t- you you could tell me if you've been to any of them. Um, yeah. I've only at this point I've only done a few, just a handful. I've got yeah. one more today, two more tomorrow. Yeah, they're going well. You know, it's been a year since I've done it, so I got a bit overwhelmed when it was like a sold out one. Yeah, like 250 yeah, yeah. people, and there's loads of people on stage, and <laughs> I was like, kept tripping up and kind of forgetting where I was and shit. Because you know, this stuff is kind of pre. I have like an you know a structure in my head, but yeah. most of it kind of improvised with the crowd. But yeah, I was just thrown off. But the other ones were a bit quiet, uh, quieter. They were like 120. That was a bit. Yeah. You know, and a, and a way to get back into the show that would be easier. But um, yeah, they've been going, they've been going all right. Nobody um, said some fucked up shit to me. Um, <laughs> nobody's fallen off stage. Nobody, um, I haven't said anything too offensive yet by accident, which I did a couple times last year. Gotta be careful. These shows, yeah. you know, they can't be too blue. There are little kids there. There are children present. Yeah. This isn't a Rocky Horror Picture Show film. But if you are coming. You know, I invite people on stage who come in fancy dress and yes. are wearing funny Christmas jumpers who have made an effort. Don't come on stage if you're just wearing a green jumper. Yes. You know what I mean? Or like a, or a Santa hat. Like, Unless if it off. is like some sort of Muppet themed, you know. Of course. But people thing, just want to be on stage and they get up and they're not wearing anything. And I'm not going to talk to you because you're not funny. No. <laughs> Phil, you know. These people are just trying to enjoy Christmas. Are they? Are they? <laughs> All I got to say is Christmas time in London and particularly at the Prince Charles Cinema is some of my favorite times uh, of the entire busy. year. It's a fun, busy time, but people are in good spirits for the most part. I mean, we do have to question why maybe some people are just a bit insane now at the cinema. Uh, mm. I don't think yeah, anyone listening recently? are one of these people, but, you know, hey, if you are. Wow, we you know, relax. didn't used to be this way. Just relax, chill out. Don't be too mean to our staff. We have um, had an uptick yes. in sort of antisocial behavior, and I don't want to blame yes. Rebel Moon. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I'm gonna segue into a joke about how we have a lot of great stuff on at December. Not just the usual Christmas program, mm-hmm. but like we're doing exclusive sort of screenings of Rebel Moon, but also fucking Star Wars. Star Wars is at it's the PCC. Back, brah. Yes. You want to get Nara in a galaxy far, far away? Yes. You can do it. It's the original, despecialized versions on film, finally, and the way we want it, right? No. Exactly, bruh. <laughs> 
What, what do you think this is? Do you think we have some secret pipeline into the Lucasfilm, <laughs> c- like, you know, universe where we, we could just go, go get these we, nice we around original Disney. prints? <laughs> All these people, like, literally messaging, like, no, if it's not the original, I don't want to hear about it. Just show the originals. And it's just like, dude, that's never going to happen. Chill out. Chill out, bro. Yeah. Come get NAR with the special editions in 4K. You're lucky you're getting that because we never mm. get to show these films. Phil and, and I did thick? all of the fucking Star Wars films that we are showing. Literally all six of the ones we were showing, we have episodes on in the back oh, catalog. Yeah. And listen to them. They're great. Every episode we were like, we never get to show these movies. Yeah. And now we but do now. until the 30th of December. So if you want to see Star Wars on the big screen, uh, the one that's playing the most is obviously 77, A New Hope. That's playing mm. like literally it starts today the 8th of December yeah. and is playing until the 30th of December. It's got multiple screenings. Maybe it could potentially get a few more piped in here and there until, until the 30th, uh, depending on like, you know, how well it does and if there's any wiggle room in the program. But uh, yeah, you can get your tickets, princecharlescinema.com for that. Go see a Star Wars. It's Go still good. Wars. It's still fun, even with all the extra stuff. I still love them. They're still fun to watch. Yeah. And stop. Just stop. Because it's funny. It's just funny because now people are like, oh, fuck Disney. You know, they won't give us the original. And that was George Lucas. That's definitely written into the contract. Yeah, George Lucas he, did that years and years it. and years ago. So I, stop 100%. When he, when he sold it to Disney, 100%. He was like, okay, but you can never really, really yeah. do it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't do that. Definitely. Because it's admitting, you know, it's like when Spielberg was just like, no, hit the old E.T. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's just... It's all good. All good. Yeah. Also, it doesn't matter, dude. Like, yeah. if you really want to see it that bad, hunt down an old VHS tape. Boot like that shit. Or but, just find it on the internet. There is a website that literally has the despecialized versions. Just fucking go watch it that way. I don't it's so care. rare to see them on the big screen. Yes. They, they That's were made the important thing. Yeah. yeah. If you're like me and you're like a 2000 boy, 90s boy, you know, relive your childhood. Go see the prequels again. Yes. Don't you want to see Avengers Why not? on the screen again? Why not? <laughs> They're the best one. See the pod race scene. We, yeah, we didn't even we didn't really get to talk about it because of all the fan fiction. <laughs> <laughs> get them, uh, you know, in the mood. Yeah. Also, Phil did mention Rebel Moon. I don't know if we talked about it really on the podcast, but we are showing mm. Zack Snyder's Rebel Moon. From That's 70 right. millimeter at the Prince Charles Cinema from this Ooh. coming Friday from when this episode drops. Uh, it'll be Friday the 15th to Thursday the 21st, exclusively in 70 millimeter. The only place in the entire UK that's going to have it on the big screen for the, a public audience and also in 70 millimeter. Uh, I got to actually see it last night at the London premiere. With the man himself. With the man himself at the BFI IMAX. Um, let's just say, without spoiling mm. anything, you know, you guys know we did half of 300 and uh, all those Star Wars films. I can't wait to finish it. It's I not really my cup it. of tea, but at the same time, if you love Star Wars, you're going to fucking love it. Like, really? You know, that's all I could say. And if you like Zack Snyder stuff, it's just literally Zack Snyder doing Star Wars. So if you're into that vibe, uh, you're gonna love it. So, come see it if you're planning to see it anyway, and you're in the general vicinity of London, or like don't mind taking a little day trip to London. It's showing daily from the 15th to the 21st on the big screen. 
our biggest screen. The only place, literally one of four places in the entire world where it will be showing for a paying audience, a pub, the general public. You can only see it in France, New York City, or Los Angeles otherwise. So if you want to see it on the big screen, come see it. And it, you know, regardless of my feelings about the film itself, it's definitely one you want to see on the big screen if you're going to watch it because it looks fucking crazy and it's going to be in 70 millimeter. It's fucking massive and mm. big. And yeah. Anyway, Phil, you know, you're a big fan of Zack Snyder and Star Wars. Sure. I'm a big fan of things with uh, really awful fan bases. <laughs> yeah. For some reason. <laughs> Wrestling included. Yes. Yeah. We all have our vices. Uh, speaking of <laughs> someone who has a weird fan base, let's get into some user feedback. <laughs> hey, 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 user feedback. Listen to feedback. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Read that any way you want, but I'm actually talking about what our pal Claire said. Speaking of oh. our fans, our fans are great. We have great fans. Yeah, yeah. We have great fans who follow us through crazy shit. Claire's been there. She's like a day one fan, uh, mm. but she is behind. She confirms. Yes, I'm very behind. On <laughs> listening. She's catching uh, up because we had a little user feedback from Claire a few weeks ago and Claire seemed massively behind. But Claire says, as a massive Wes Anderson fan, I was thoroughly disappointed by, and that's what I meant by funny fan bases. Wes Anderson, he's got a funny fan base. But at least they're sweet. I can can just say that. For sure. Whenever we had a Wes Anderson marathon or screenings, they've always been the nicest crowds. Uh, They're very well behaved. Uh, For the most part, Lord of the Rings fans are really well behaved as well. Yeah, besides a few cokeheads I've had to deal with, but they're not. They <laughs> I don't think they're really. Yeah, of, they're not fans. No, no, they're, they're like just there, casual crowd. Just there, they're like bros, bros who somehow like get dragged along to the fucking Lord of the Rings screenings. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, she says I was thoroughly disappointed by Asteroid City, so I was very curious. Oh. I liked it. I was one of the few people who liked it. She said so. I was very curious that a renowned Anderson hater, Phil is making me appreciate it more on the PCC podcast episode. Oh, I was just like, welcome. I was just like, yeah, ah. man, I think it's a conspiracy. <laughs> There's no way in hell that Phil actually liked that Wes Anderson <laughs> film. He's always hated Wes Anderson. Asteroid City was a piece of shit. There's no way he liked it. That's all I got to say I- about that. Whoa. How would he know? He never asked me. <laughs> he never asked me. I'm glad I'm known as a renowned Anderson hater. Yeah. Well, Phil, that's a lot of uh, talk about uh, Star Wars and what's going on at the cinema. I mean, bro, that's like an old school PCC bro. podcast intro. Yeah. We're actually back. talking about program stuff, man. That's how I get naughty, Whoa. Dave. So sometimes, Phil, we have to ask ourselves... Do we choose the way of the light or do we choose the dark side of the force? Or simply put, don't choose dark side. <laughs> Naughty or nice. Nice. <laughs> it's week two of Naughty or Nice, and for this, we step back into the 
Philiversary. As our poll featured two films from 1993, the year of our Phil, we pit it the <laughs> Tim Burton and Henry Selleck goth kid special, The Nightmare Before Christmas, versus the inside joke that keeps on giving. Look who's talking now. <coughs> uh, you guys didn't pick this, so just so you know, it was That's the dogs. The fucking dogs were talking now. Now. Okay. <laughs> Phil. Whew, glad we covered that. Already said it, but which film took home the prize? Therefore, the film that we are talking about this week. Oh, it's the nightmare before Xmas. <laughs> boop, boop, boop. Xmas. Put the Christ back in Christmas, please. <laughs> no. Cancelled. Happy holidays only. <laughs> Welcome to an extraordinary world filled with magic and wonder. Open your mind and let yourself go to a place where every day is Halloween and every night Jack Skellington I am the Pumpkin King! Dreams of something different. What is this? It's someplace new. Jack, look out! What's this? What's this? There's color everywhere. What's this? There's white things in the air. What's this? I can't believe my eyes. I must be dreaming. Wake up, Jack. This isn't fair. What is this? Haven't you heard of peace on earth and goodwill toward men? <laughs> Touchstone Pictures presents the enchanting story of two very special dreamers and the holiday spirit that brought them together. From the imagination of Tim Burton comes The Nightmare Before Christmas. And what did Santa bring you, honey? Jack Skeleton, played by Chris Sarandon, or maybe Danny Elfman, if you Danny Elfman. want to talk about singing. <laughs> Halloween Town's beloved Pumpkin King, who has become bored with the same annual routine of frightening people in the real world, accidentally stumbles on Christmas Town. The all bright colors and warm spirits gives Jack a new lease on life. He plots to bring Christmas under his control by kidnapping Santa Claus and taking over the holiday. It's the 1993 stop-motion animated musical fantasy directed by Henry Selleck, yes, he directed it and produced and conceived by Tim Burton. Phil, what's this? What's this? What's this? Hot takes out the gate. What's this? What's this? What are your hot takes out the gate? Actually, a Tim Burton movie. It's some poltergeist shit, you know, where it's like that clear, clearly a Spielberg film. You know, it's like, I know he didn't direct it, but come on. I have some quotes that would prove otherwise. Later in the episode, Phil. Okay. <laughs> okay. Whose name is above the title? That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Um, hot take. I'm not big on this. <laughs> I don't uh, really. I'm not. I don't. I don't, I don't get it. Get it? I, I don't get it. I don't get it. I, dude, I should love this. It's Christmas and puppets. Yeah. And Halloween. And I love both. 
Yeah, and Halloween. Um, yeah. Hottest take. Is it a Christmas film or a Halloween film? I hate this argument. It's a yeah. Christmas movie. It's Christmas is literally in the title, and it's literally The Grinch. Yeah. And I would rather kind of watch The Grinch, to be honest. The Grinch, but made like Rudolph. But made like Rudolph, yeah. the weird 70s one. It's terrifying. Yeah, I mean, it's really well made. It, it looks great. Um, I'm also not a big musical guy. And besides the first few numbers, like that one, what this? What's this? And like, this is Halloween. Those are good songs. And then the rest kind of just sound the same to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's just like, it's, yeah, it's like, honestly, this is going to sound like a dig. And it's not. The best compliment I can give it is that it's extremely watchable. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, so it's really short easy too. to watch. It's so Which short. It flies. Thank no you. time wasted. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's like, I remember any time I had to usher it, didn't mind. Didn't mind ushering it because yeah. it, it, you blink and you, it's fucking gone. And it's yeah. fun. It's, it's no, it's fun. wonderful life. Like, you know. Which is, it's, 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 and I love it's wonderful yeah, life. I, I do too, but journey. it can be a chore. If you, <laughs> you know, and especially like me, I'm a dumbass. And I've t- I think I've told this on the podcast before. One of my <laughs> yeah, favorite stories yeah. is like, you know, Christmas time we run largely i don't know about this year but largely we start to run on a skeleton shift especially when people start going on holiday like you know older staff Mm. members who've been there like a long time they get first dibs on holiday around the week of christmas and then like a lot of the newer staff get stuck working like almost every day and Mm. uh i was sort of in that spot towards the last week before christmas or whatever um my first year working at the cinema and someone i don't know everybody on staff was just kind of like i don't want to watch it's a wonderful life again and i was like oh I'll, I'll watch it all day and it was like it was back when we were showing it like three times back to back to back yeah and uh i was just like, i'll do it i don't care i'll do it like all day and they were like no you want i was like you saying i want <laughs> i did <laughs> watch but it's on the third fucking showing of it i was like halfway through just like oh my god <laughs> <laughs> yeah i couldn't Mr. watch Potter, it for another off. five years after yeah. that which i i love that film but yeah it, it it took its toll yeah yeah any film i think would be like that um but yeah it's very very watchable it flies by um but yeah it just doesn't i don't know it just doesn't do it for me and it's not bad at all but like there's such a fucking following around it like yeah, People love and I think it is because it really blends those two worlds nicely. It's for people like you know, more, maybe people who are more interested in the Halloween fucking aesthetic and shit, more gothy, more into like horror movies and shit, and like, but it allows you to in, enjoy some of the holiday. You know, it's a very dark Christmas movie. I would say. Yeah, it's a it's um, a good like gateway between the two holidays. You know, like, for sure. The, yeah. And I love Any the poor idea. Little goth, gothic kid can just like traverse through Ten you know, this yeah. little portal. <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah, like, and I love the idea of like Jack Skeleton stealing Halloween and kidnapping Santa Claus and like just you like finding this like untouched town full of joy and like wanting to terrify all the children. Yeah. It's a great idea. Sorry, I was thinking about that. The way you just said that, terrifying all the little kids. I'm always like really confused about like because uh, even in the synopsis I read it says he like you know they basically do Halloween you know to frighten the people in the real the real world so you have like I don't ever really understand what they mean by that like and I've read it numerous times and even like people who made the film talking about the film they like, don't understand they don't I it really kind of doesn't make sense because it feels like Halloween Town is its own little entity 
but they spend the entire year mm. like doing Halloween, <laughs> like preparing for Halloween. And Halloween yeah. is literally just them doing their song <laughs> and their little parade. It's a re- Dude, it's a really scary. Story. And that was like, that was a great, that was another great, great year, everyone. Yeah. But like, Jack, they didn't show Jack or any of them going into any world to like do spooky shit to terrify people. It was literally Which just in their, world. in their world doing a parade, scaring each other, maybe. I don't know. But none of them yeah. seem scared of anything because they love it. They're like, yeah, because they're all like, meanwhile, of Halloween. Jack traverses through the doorway, the portal into mm. the Christmas town where mm. he discovers Christmas. But that is actually like what I think people refer to as the real world because you have like all the, like the, <laughs> All the houses. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, because I didn't actually think of the thought. The real world is the world. Wait, when Jack Skeleton finds the tree, yeah. does he come out of a tree? Yeah, he does, right? There or is a Halloween he? tree. I don't know. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> it's like it's, it's that the real because that would make sense if they all have their own world and then they come out of their tree door and then that's the real world and they all take turns, right? Because that's a fucking Easter bunny door. Right? Yeah, like, it doesn't make sense. Either. Why do they all exist in their own world? Because the whole point is that they all exist together in the yeah. in our world. It doesn't make sense at all because like when Jack goes like through to think. when Jack goes through like the Christmas town door, right? And he discovers yeah, yeah. Christmas, he's in the real world of Christmas town, right? And like there's all the houses and all that. <laughs> like all the houses Google, are yeah. very like boring and stuff and yeah. But yeah, it doesn't make sense. So Jack falls through this portal as well, and it's all like magical, like he's going through a spiral, like you would if you were being sent through a portal. But then he just yeah. comes rocking up, like back into Halloween. How did he get out? As well, <laughs> like it, that makes no sense. All the like traversing through the portals makes no sense. Uh, how like because they never show like how he gets out of that. Like, does he go back to a door? It's like it doesn't matter. I guess. I, but I don't know how Jack gets out get back out but isn't it it his world is the real world to him and that's what he's referring to and their world is literally just exists of (laughs) consists of them terrifying those kids and like what we saw was like them just doing their celebratory parade yeah dude Um, that's just what they do all year every year they prepare then it means nothing yeah it's fucking weird and then they're like okay well let's bring like this but like halloween to christmas yeah in, for the edge lord kid to like like i you know let's goodness not let's make it dark. um like i don't know man cool. i was just watching yeah. it this time no, it doesn't make like, this makes sense. no sense i don't know but i mean it doesn't matter you get what you get the vibe it doesn't matter but it's sort of like what is this but it should work because it's very thin on plot it literally has one plot line it kind of half asked this like love story between sally and jack yeah yeah really right at the end yeah. and that's something i don't like i like i thought there was more to sally. it like it i thought I, there was it, she's I saw more it of a character year, but like not. i kind of forgot i thought i thought there was more to their relationship you know i think There's maybe not. because like There's i'm not. thinking about all the things i know about this film and watching it yeah. this time instead of just like oh i'm enjoying watching the nightmare before christmas i'm watching it from hey i'm doing this for a podcast so i need to like think about how this film actually works strange i think people are so into it and they big it up so much and it's like they make it feels like there's more there and it's kind of a simple yeah, small little yeah, yeah, film. yeah. and that works totally for the film but yeah 
that I think that's part of the reason I don't get into it because there's nothing I don't I enjoy it on like a more aesthetic level rather than mm. like an emotional one I don't yeah, really yeah. care about apart from Jack Skeleton's the cool character yes the pumpkin yeah. king iconic you know? yeah like iconic iconic and shit really and like I mean voice. I'll get into it like the uh, you know the history of the film and how it became like what it became but like yeah it's really just impressive I mean. I saw this, obviously, it's a 93 film. I saw it when I was a little kid and it came out and I remember it being like, yeah, that was great. But like everyone moved on Mm -hmm. and James and the Giant Peach came out from Henry Selleck like a few years later and that felt like it was a way bigger deal. And then that Mm kind of disappeared. No one talks about that anymore. When Terrell Dahl is like, you know, kind of a odd one anyway so you have to be careful anyway um Mm -hmm. but you know this film came the fuck out of nowhere and i was there for it in 2003 i i feel like it was around that time 2003 2004 it was like the 10th anniversary of the film and holy shit like it blew the fuck up i was never like a huge huge fan I, I, uh, but my sister was, and I was subjected to like many viewings of it, many viewings Mm. of the making of special, which was kind of funny. (laughs) I rewatched, it's only like half an hour and find it on YouTube, but, um, to rewatch that again for this, like, I was like, oh yeah, I've seen this before. Like, I remember this, uh, it was like on the DVD and stuff. And, um, yeah, I remember it becoming such a big thing in like, you know, every like goth kid at school wearing a Jack skeleton, this, that, or the other Sally rags or whatever, you know, it was all, it was all over everything. Um, all this hot topic stuff. And that was the big thing. Hot yeah. Topic. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was really funny to see it kind of like explode. And then before too long, it became something that was so popular and so big that Disney had to like, you know, bring it into its like warm <laughs> hug of and embrace it as it's like one of the, it's like cornerstones of it's like, you know, Disney IP that like one they can just children. make all this fucking money off of. Yeah. All this merch and yes. know, shit. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of crazy. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I appreciate this film. I've always liked it. I did. I've never loved it. Music's fun. Musicals aren't really my thing. But the music's fun. Danny Elfman's music, he's one of the best. And yeah, the yeah. music's amazing. It, but it just makes me really want to watch Batman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It really, whenever the drink come up and shit, it kind of got that vibe. He had yeah. the style. It's very recognizable. Uh, Henry Selleck doesn't get enough credit in his work in stop motion animation. is incredible. No, he doesn't. The stop motion mm. in this film's fucking phenomenal. Like, you know, it's great. And the, like, short length of it is perfect as well to be, like, what, 86 minutes? Like, yes. Yeah. Fucking great. And then, you know, the story's fun. It's a fun story. It's, like, you know, sub stuff, like we were saying, doesn't really make sense. But it doesn't matter. That's just me, like, picking at silly stuff. It's a very fun. It flows really nice. The music's great. You got some great voices in there as well. And, like, it's it's a fun little movie. You know, it's not, like, I've never been a huge, huge, huge fan of it. But... I've always appreciated it and I always appreciate like, I wish there was more stop motion animation, to be honest. Like I would totally yeah. love and dig more just stuff like this. I was watching the other day or the other night and I was just like, yeah, we need more of this shit. Like, you mm. know, it's fucking, it looks great. Even today, it looks awesome. Like I want to see more yeah, shit. Yeah, that's, like that's the thing. That's the thing. Like stop motion, like 
doesn't age. It just like always looks that good. Yeah. You know? Especially if it's Regardless. well done, you know? Mm. Well, the origins of the nightmare before Christmas stem more than 10 years prior to the film's release in 1993. So, I mean, Burton himself even says maybe even 20. Uh, in 1982, Burton was working at Disney. He was toiling away as an apprentice in the animation department. And he had just made his first film, the six minute short film about a seven year old boy who reads Edgar Allan Poe and wants to be Vincent Price. The story was called Vincent, and it was one of uh, Tim Burton's most personal films. It was made with stop-motion animation, and it inspired him to basically write and design a more ambitious story. Did you ever see Vincent at all? Like, uh, I think I have, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. It's nice, really, cute. Yeah, I mean, I've always liked Tim Burton's stuff, especially back in the day. Especially the early with, stuff, yeah, big fan. With Nightmare Before Christmas becoming such a big thing in my household with my sister fucking absolutely adoring it and just being obsessed with it. Like we watched a lot of like Tim Burton stuff as well. Like, you know, a lot of the stuff that inspired like Vincent and Frank and Weenie and stuff like that. So <laughs> yeah, I never saw Frank and Weenie. I never yeah. saw fucking Coraline as well. And I really need to, because apparently that's amazing. The Henry Selleck one. I've not seen Frank and Weenie, the, you know, the newer one I'm mentioning. Or like, Corpse the, Bride. the, uh, the original oh, like, that one live action short, short well. film. Yeah, it's a live oh, action no, one. Yeah, it's not like a... Part. Yeah, because the new one, is it animated or is it stop motion? I can't remember. I thought it was stop motion. Um, but it is like a newer, newer one, like, you know... Yeah, it's a newer one. It was yeah. 2012. It, 3D stop motion animated film. Okay, Does that yeah. mean just stop motion? Yeah, yeah. I guess yeah. they just did it in 3D, though. But, um, yeah, no, uh, I, oh, I, see. Yeah. I didn't see that. I saw the original, like... Frank and Weenie, like live action film. I think it had like Daniel Stern in it, maybe or something. Um, but anyway, yes, it does. And Shelley Duvall. Yeah, weird. What the fuck? <laughs> but for Tim Burton, who had a you know had been a lonely child growing up in Burbank, holidays were a time of wonder and escape. And he told the LA Times in 1993, anytime there was Christmas or Halloween, you go to thrifties and buy stuff, and it was great. It gave you some sort of texture of all of a sudden that wasn't there before. So inspired by Christmas time TV classic Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, which was also made with stop motion (laughs) animation, Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas, and Clement Clark Moore's 1823 poem A Visit from St. Nicholas, or what it's also known as Twas the Night Before Christmas, Tim Burton, like he did with Vincent, wrote a three-page poem of his own called The Nightmare Before Christmas which featured Jack Skellington and his ghost dog companion, Zero. The the character Jack Skeleton, though, it's actually been around in Tim Burton's works for a long time. It even appeared in an early form in Vincent. He would later appear in other Mm. Tim Burton films like Beetlejuice. You could see, like, I think, I think, like, his head and maybe, like, the sort of classic, like, uh, bat wing, like, um, you know, bow tie, like, on some weird sculpture because you know in like beetlejuice they have all those like sculptures and stuff that beetlejuice is kind of like in you know alec baldwin's character makes all these like um he's very bill pullman-esque in that film (laughs) (laughs) but you know he makes all those like sculptures and like models and stuff and like i think one of the models is like jack skeleton's head uh but you can also see like you know basically people think that like the model of the scarecrow that's used as to be a fake headless horseman and uh sleepy hollow resembles like when you first see Jack as a pumpkin King and nightmare before Christmas. Mm. Uh, he's also in Henry Selleck's James and the giant peach. He plays a pirate. They basically, I think use maybe the same or at least one of the same models uh, to recreate 
Jack Skellington. And he also appears in Coraline hidden within an egg yolk, his face. So he kind of appears like in everything, much like the Rankin and Bass uh, stop motion classic that was, uh, you know, that he was inspired by Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Burton intended to adapt the poem into a TV special with the narration spoken by his favorite actor, Vincent Price, but also considered other options such as a children's book. He created uh, art and storyboards for the project in collaboration with Rick Heinrichs, who also sculpted character models. Burton later showed his and Heinrichs uh, works in progress to Henry Selick, who was a Disney animator at the time. Uh, However, the project's development eventually stalled as its tone seemed too weird for Disney. And if you add in Tim Burton's next short film, the aforementioned Frankenweenie, Burton was fired (laughs) by Disney under the pretext of him spending too much of the uh, company's resources on a film that would be too dark and scary for children to see. (laughs) But... Luck would have it that uh, Paul Rubens actually saw Frank and Weenie. wee And he chose Burton to direct his spinoff for his popular character, Pee-wee Herman, with 1985's Pee-wee's Big Adventure. And while making Pee-wee, Burton approached Danny Elfman to do the score. He loved him from Oingo Boingo. And uh, that basically opened up the long-lasting partnership that has seen Danny Elfman score every film that Tim Burton has directed, except for Ed Wood, Sweeney Todd, and Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children, which is not a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see it. Didn't want to. Yeah, I only saw it. Um, I don't know. I, I got a, I got one of those like you know press screening things or whatever, and it was fucking. Mm. Yeah, I didn't like it. Tim Burton would go on to direct Beetlejuice and Batman, becoming a huge name in Hollywood. But he never forgot about Nightmare, and he found out in 1990 while he was finishing up Edward Scissorhands, or maybe it had just finished it up. The Disney still own the rights to uh, this film that's based on his poem. And by this point, Disney was actually down for the weirdness of Tim Burton because they, you know, basically saw, hey, this guy, he makes a lot of money and people dig his movies. <laughs> so Jeff, Jeffrey Kassenberg, who is the then chairman of Walt Disney Studios, you know, saw as an opportunity to continue the studio streak of recent successes and feature animation. But the thing is, that wouldn't remain that way. Disney would soon just be like, this shit's too fucking weird for us. <laughs> yeah, pull back, pull back. But at this point, Disney's on board. The film got underway. However, Tim Burton, he was tied up working on Batman Returns. The, the, better, the, better, the, the better Christmas movie. The better Christmas movie. <laughs> But basically, he was like, yeah, I'm not going to want to be tied up in this painstakingly slow process of stop motion. So he decided to help develop the story and serve as a producer, carving out the overall look and identity of the film. And Henry Selick, his old pal from Disney Animation, would uh, be brought in to direct, marking his directorial debut. To adapt his poem into a screenplay, Burton approached Michael McDowell, his collaborator on Beetlejuice. McDowell and Burton experienced creative differences, which which convinced Burton to make the film as a musical with lyrics and compositions by a frequent collaborator, Danny Elfman. Elfman and Burton created a rough storyline and two-thirds of the film's songs. Uh, Elfman found uh, writing Nightmare's 11 songs to be, quote, one of the easiest jobs I've ever had. I had a lot in common with Jack Skellington. (laughs) Did he? (laughs) 
He's a pumpkin king. I have orange hair. We both look weird. Both like <laughs> yeah. cool, lanky guy, you know? It's kind of funny because it was what like else? a trifecta of weird guys. You had Tim Burton's total Very like, weird guys. He's a total weirdo. Henry Selleck is a total weirdo. Danny Elfman, total weirdo. It's like, yeah. I just love that this era of like Hollywood where the weirdos like broke in. Yeah. And got to hang out. You know, like I love the story of you know, Tim Burton being fired from Disney. Yeah. And now makes Disney movies. Like it's one of their biggest guys, like Dumbo and Alice in Wonderland and all that shit. Like that's his thing. That's what he does now, Charlie and Chocolate Factory. I think that was for Disney, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just these band of misfits creating something genuinely weird. Now it's been very co-opted. Like, yeah, yeah. Not co-opted, but that it's been very like I know, that style has just been like used and replicated over and over. But like at that time it was very original mm-hmm. and it's very specific to that time and it did feel more significant and a counterculture like aesthetic yeah, rather yeah, than yeah. now you know when we have lots of examples of that kind of thing but yeah at the time just a bunch of weirdos giving keys <laughs> yeah the, yeah yeah to the place yeah definitely uh caroline thompson who worked on edward scissorhands and then the adams family so we heard her name mm. recently uh, would be hired mm. to write the screenplay with uh, Thompson's screenplay. Selick s- stated that there were very few lines of dialogue that are Caroline. She became busy on other films, and we were constantly rewriting, reconfiguring, and developing the film visually. But the thing is, I think she added a lot to the whole Sally character. Like, I don't think there was a lot for Sally that Caroline Thompson ended up adding in to beef that character out. So, okay. Yeah. yeah. Selick and his uh, team of animators began production in July 1991 in San Francisco, California, with a crew of 13 animators and over 120 camera operators, puppet makers, set builders, and prop makers, utilizing 19 to 20 sound stages for filming with 230 sets and 227 individual puppets. Jack Skellington alone had around 400 heads to allow for different types of expressions and emotion. <laughs> and despite the <laughs> film being a brief, which I, th- I think I said 86 minutes, it's actually only 76 minutes. Uh, it took three Nothing. years to complete. Three years. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Selick and his army didn't really have a completed screenplay when it came time to start shooting. So they began crafting from Danny Elfman's score which was being mastered and they started shooting Jack's big moment of discovery with what's this? What's this? And then they would move on to the next song and so on. Basically they just kind of like knocked out all the music bits first, I think. And then from there they went on to like make storyboards as the script came together and the voices were recorded and uh, Selick and his team pretty much pre- pre-made the whole movie and storyboards for him before they even started to animate it, which they found. Obviously, most films do this, but like, I think it was like a pretty fucking thorough job because they had to get everything they wanted to look like exactly right. Um, but when we get into this, like, who recorded these voices, we got the cast here. We got Jack Skellington. He's voiced by Chris Sarandon uh, from, you know, Child's Play fame, my boy. Also, Fright Night. He's a good dude. Also, uh, he was in um, uh, The Prince's Bride as well. And, Princess Bride. 
Yeah, it was the, the prince or whatever. The, the baddie. <laughs> oh, yeah, he is. Shit. Or the yeah. yeah, I guess Sorry. he is. he a prince? I can't remember. I can't remember his name. He's a bit of like a Lord yes. Farquhar character, you know? <laughs> yes, yes, no, yes. Shrek basically ripped Can, that shit off. Um, <laughs> yeah, I couldn't picture it. I couldn't picture his face. Yeah. Prince Hum for something. Okay, that doesn't yeah. have the full thing. Sorry, doesn't matter. He could. Yeah. And obviously, Danny Elfman provides the singing voice. Mm. It's very very old Disney movie in that way, right? Like, uh, not even old, but like... Well, it's like 30 years old. It is old now, you old man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fuck. Um, but yeah, it just reminds me of like... Oh, we spoke about Mulan earlier, and it was like... I forget who voiced the guy in it, but like, Donny Osmond did the mute, did the singing. Same with like... Hercules... Aladdin, like they always have two different voices, and it's so strange. It's yeah, so strange. You like that you have that that you don't notice, or that actually really works. Yeah, that was a very nothing point. But no, no, it's. I was actually going to bring that up. I think it's like fucking insane. It's um, it's hard to even like distinguish the two. Really, they did a insane job because like yes. at times I'm like, is Chris Sarandon like? singing some of these bits because there's some that's <laughs> almost like spoken sing you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? yeah yeah exactly and it sounds exactly like the singing voice of danny elfman when he's properly singing it's like it's really crazy so danny elfman wrote all the music and i think in the original version of the song he actually just sang all the parts you know naturally because you know he's just doing demos and stuff but it was decided to keep his voice as, you know, the voice of Jack and Chris Sarandon was actually just cast as someone to match his voice style. And uh, Elfman said that over half of the songs are just demo takes of his voice as he thought they would just be re-recorded with someone else. But like, you know, he just mastered them for them to, you know, shoot to. Um, and they just left it. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds great. Like, you know, uh, so, yeah, it's it's kind of funny, like. um, it's fu- it's so well done. I don't know. It's it's weird. Like I was thinking about that the other day when I was watching. I was like, I can't tell the difference at all. And that's like really good, a sign of a really good, uh, you know, matching of voices. Really. Yeah, yeah. It's really brilliant. It's quite seamless. Um, I had a point about Chris Sarandon, and it's bugging me that I can't remember it because I'd had it the thought during the film. Sorry. Well, Chris Sarandon's uh, awesome. That. That's all you need to know. <laughs> <laughs> he does have a great voice yeah and that point you said about like does isn't it him because you're right a lot of it's just spoken sort of singing yeah and a lot of this film is just sung which is something i don't again like i said not big on musicals i don't like a movie where they're just singing the whole time you can speak a little bit it's fine um especially when you're not really it's not really a song you know yeah. what i mean they're just singing they're feeling it's, just, it's really frustrating but i wonder if there's like even a if they just had both do it, you know, like both sing it and like try and match it in the middle or at least blend it at the beginning, going into morphing into just an Elfman one. Yeah. I'm not something. sure. Yeah. Cause he had such a voice. He had such a strong, yeah. voice. I bet that dude can sing. Yeah. yeah Doesn't yeah, always yeah. have to be Danny Elfman in the Oingo Boingo show. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't always have to be uh, about him. But it's a, yeah, sorry. It's a movie full of fucking, Great, really great voices. Yeah. I don't think. Uh, in Burton's original sketches and in the storyboards, Jack was actually dressed in all black. Uh, and you can 
it's revealed in the film's commentary track that it was actually Henry Selleck who decided to give Jack his famous white stripes on his slim fit suit because it helped oh, him much pop better. against the dark background of Halloween Town, and he was basically just blending into the shadows too much during camera tests. I'm surprised Burton wasn't that because he just dressed like Beetlejuice. Yeah, yeah, it seems like yes. nat- like it's like a natural black and white like sort of vibe that. To, I mean, mm. I think Tim Burton's always just wearing like black and white striped socks and shit. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like, is this me? Yeah. Well, Disney thought that, uh, you know, the overall project was still weird, you know, once they actually got to the point of making it. So they decided, hey, let's uh, let's throw this over onto our touch tone label. You know, we're not going to oh, we're not going to mm. put this out as a Disney film. But they still, you know, they still decided, hey, let's throw a bunch of notes to Henry Selleck and and Tim Burton for this film, Just too including weird in capital letters, <laughs> including Make that they weird. thought that uh, Jack Skellington should have eyes instead of empty sockets, thinking that was no, crucial. that's one of yeah, that's, that's one, one of the one best of the parts best of aesthetic Jack, pieces. Yeah. Well, they thought it was crucial because in traditional animation, you know, the eyes are what you know brings so. a character. Like brings an audience into a character, you know. You're totally right. That makes it more impressive that yeah. they managed to do that. Like Angry Jack is actually really scary. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like yeah. that's yeah, that classic. When he screamed at the kid, like, yeah. <laughs> like it's it looks really great, cool. dude. Yeah, it's fucking awesome. But yeah, Tim Burton and Henry Selleck wouldn't budge. So in the end, he had no eyes. I, I thought you were going to be like, he needs hair. <laughs> <laughs> give him like a big pompadour. Yeah, just give him like. Fucking, I don't know, Danny Elfman hair, just like <laughs> big orange. Oh my god! <laughs> ah! It would look like fucking carrot top, man. Yeah. Uh, Chairman of the board over here, Sally the Ragdoll, voiced by Catherine O'Hara. Yes, Catherine O'Hara. Yes, yes. yes. We love Catherine O'Hara, and she's a Christmas legend. Yes, it was really cool. Did you see any of the footage of her like uh, reuniting with Macaulay Culkin because he got his like his uh, star no. on Hollywood Walk of Fame, and she like. Gave a little speech and had a little nice moment with him. It was really cute. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that's so cute. People were freaking out about Macaulay Culkin's voice. I I thought like I saw that when like I was looking up something up about and it, it. Changed. Yeah, like they didn't expect him to have the voice that he has. And I was just like, what happened? Like I went like the way all these like fans are shocked by Macaulay Culkin's voice. And I went and like looked <laughs> at the video. And I'm like, he sounds you like, won't believe. he sounds like Macaulay Culkin, but it turned out it was just like people who it was like these weird clickbait articles for basically the perspective of people who only seen home alone probably and never yeah, seen exactly. any of the countless other. Sh- I mean, he hasn't done a lot, but he, you know, he's done, he's done a decent amount of stuff, of stuff as an adult grown up, yeah. and you would know what he fucking sounds like. Don't be an asshole. Go watch, you know, fucking Party Monster. That film fucking slaps. And he's fucking great in it. Um, or saved, saved by or, the Or cross. saved. 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 Yes. That's what it's called. God tier movie. It's great. Um, Literally God tier movie? <laughs> Boy stable pick yeah. coming next year. Films I can't stop talking about. <laughs> saved. <laughs> saved. Um, but yeah, no. Uh, it was really cool to see. And she's great, man. Catherine O'Hara is awesome. And she does oh, her own Catherine singing in the film. She's great. I wish there was more Sally. Yeah. Like, I just, I love that character. It reminds me of, I love Frankenstein monster story. Yeah, yeah. I th- like, it reminds me. And he did it so well with Edward Hand. Like, I love that movie. Mm-hmm. 
And I just wish there was more of her in it. Like, and I love, I love her trying to like poison her fucking creator and shit fucking like that. Mark just, Ruffalo over here, like, yeah, <laughs> slipping that deadly nightshade. Yeah, Ugh. she's like fucking constantly like, trying to roofie him, man. It's nuts. <laughs> and he's like, this is the last time you do this to me. Like, she's done it multiple times, and you keep falling for yeah. it. I love she does that. it at least two or three times in the film. That's so I love funny. her, like, just like. Yeah, she's just like jumping off out of the fucking building, just like landing on the ground, and she's like shattered to pieces. But then just sews herself back together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And her, okay. her like her arms are like, what is the word? Autonomous is that the right word? But they like they can like yeah, just they move on their own. Smack like him in the head when he's holding her her arm, her hand just smacks <laughs> yeah. him and shit. It's great. Like they have a mind of their own. Uh, yeah, no, Sally's a great character. I can see why people romanticize Jack and Sally as kind of like one of those classic like Disney couples now, but you're right. There's not much to it as much as, you know, you might think based on how beloved the characters are and their relationship is. Um, but mm. still, it's great. Uh, yeah. I mean, obviously, Catherine O'Hare got the part because she had worked on Beetlejuice with Tim Burton previously. And speaking of Beetlejuice, Glenn Shaddix, he plays... The uh, two-faced mayor of Halloween Town, and he was also in Beetlejuice. He was great. Yeah, yeah. I, I love the, the the two-faced character. Anyway, like you know, it's just like, I a, really like a, that. A, a funny <laughs> idea. This spinning. Yeah, I mean, just the two-faced like town official is really hilarious. Just a politician, <laughs> uh, and also Doctor Finkelstein is played by William Hickey, uh, her creator. Um, and then we get actor and singer Ken Page. He plays Oogie Boogie, the villainous boogeyman of Halloween Town. I do, I do love some Oogie Boogie. I just love the the design of that character. Yeah, like he's a, a scary big, pillow. big fan favorite. <laughs> it's really funny because, like, I also thought there was more to Oogie Boogie. They, they not, mentioned him yeah. a couple times, but there's a he's basically like in two scenes in the film. He has his one big yeah. singing moment with Santa, just fucking with Sandy, and then yeah, Sandy Claus, and then there's like the finale, which is just over like that. But whatever, mm. it doesn't matter. He's great. The character's great, but there was a little bit of they got a little bit of flack about the character from I think like groups like the NAACP and stuff, and other people who viewed the film thought that it was maybe a bit racist. It has that sort of old black minstrel vibe to it, like you know. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so they're you know I don't know like Tim Burton and uh, Henry Selick were like, well, you know, Ken Page, he's an actor and a singer, and he's black, and he played the character, and he didn't seem to have a problem with it. I don't know, but that's just like a weird excuse. I don't know. Anyway, there was an early draft of the script though where Oogie Boogie was actually supposed to be revealed as Doctor Finkelstein, so like he was. It was actually going to be him in disguise. <laughs> so we could work. That would have been good. Yeah, yeah it's weird because like he he's like Sally's father slash like husband. Yeah, <laughs> it's really weird. And then he like he makes an you know, he like takes his brain like half of his brain out and creates a new like a new woman. That's clearly like his wife and he's just like fucking himself. Is he just boning himself? She's like pushing him around in a wheelchair. But, uh, oh my God. I don't know. It's fucking Tim Burton, man, whatever the fuck he's creating. And then obviously, of course, uh, the last characters in the film that are of 
big notoriety or uh, lock mm. shock and barrel who are I think a bit of <laughs> fan favorites. They're voiced by uh, I like him. Paul Rubens, obviously Pee Wee. Catherine O'Hara what? does shock and Danny Elfman also pulling double duty does uh barrel uh, and Phil what do lock shock and barrel want to do or what are they tasked to do by Jack to steal Sandy Claus the kidnapped the Sandy Claus snack time <laughs> there's something about that look you gave to me I know it's snack time. In the morning. It's snack time. In the evening. It's snack time. I can't wait for you. It's snack time. To say those words to me. It's snack time. It's snack time. It's snack time. Snack time. Okay. Cool. Well, Phil, these uh, little bastards, Lock, Shock, and Barrel, <laughs> trying to kidnap Santa Claus. And uh, That's true. kidnap sounds like Kit Kat if you want to make it sound like Kit Kat. What the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> you want to make it sound like Kit Kat. Um, yeah, I don't That's know. That's a great idea. I feel like this is like a, you know. It's a Christmas It's one. Christmas. It's, it's a Santa Claus Kit Kat. We love Kit Kat. I couldn't really think of love Kit Kat. what to do because okay. they're, I don't know. Everything's so disgusting no, in this film and it's a very like, yeah, if it was Halloween time, you could get like probably weird stuff. But anyway, I got a yeah. little miniature is it, Santa Claus. Is it a snow? Oh, it's a Sandy Claus. Yeah, it's That's a Santa great. Claus. So I got a Kit Kat mm. to Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> Santa that Claus. works. That totally works. Kit Kat to Santa Claus. Put it in your mouth. Give me a brick of the Kit Kat bar. Look. Ooh, very nice. Very nice. And I know you appreciate Kit Kat. Oh. Oh, that snap. Did you hear that snap? It's mostly chocolate. I thought it was going to be like, you know, because one of the things about Kit Kat is that sort of crispy like vibe. wafer in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's mostly chocolate, those ones. And I like those. Maltesers also do a very good one that's like a little reindeer. I'm a yeah. big fan of that. Um, but yeah, can't go wrong with a Kit Kat. And it's not one of those bullshit like hollow ones. Yeah. You know, like no. you get like like an Easter egg almost. Like yeah. where you just bite into it and it's just there's nothing in it. And you're like, come on. It's very small. I'm having another one. I'm sorry. Mm. <laughs> no, please do. How many... Um, how many wrongfully kidnapped uh, Easter bunnies are you giving it? This one's more crunchy. Um, oh, double crunch. Dude, I mean, it's kidnapped. It's Kit Kat. If I do anything less than five, like. Yeah, that'd be criminal. Criminal. You'd be lying. And also, I know how you love me doing fives on this podcast. You love giving out five. <laughs> you love giving out the five. Food's All great. All right, another five. <laughs> What do you think? <laughs> you um, well, I was honest with you mm-hmm. earlier today when I was like, I don't have a snack for yeah. Nightmare Before Christmas. I'm sorry. And then I was like looking around for something Christmassy and I was like, you, this will work. And, you know, we're talking chocolate. 
This could also work for next week, but, but I'm not doing that. But we're talking Christmas, so of course, you know, what's something you do every day of December? You whip out your advent calendar <laughs> <laughs> and you have a Chucky. You have a little Chucky. Me and Dusty bought, have a recent peanut butter cup one this year. Yeah. And we're sharing it. Terrifying picture. It is. On the front of Santa Claus taking a selfie and looks like taking, I know it's meant to be him sledding on a peanut butter cup, but it looks like he shed himself. Yeah, yeah you got think he's also jerking one out. <laughs> and his head is massive. Yeah. And he's got and he's Reese's got cup eyes. Cut up, cup fried. Um, but it's like just peanut butter or white peanut butter one. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm hoping it's not the white peanut butter one this year. This year? Today. today. What's the day today? The today. eighth. Eighth. Got it. Now, is the Ugh. story of Christmas in there? Sorry, that's next week's. It's next week's not, actually. Show. Yeah, in that, when I was watching that film, I was like, oh, I think they're meant to be before. a story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've never, <laughs> never seen, seen that. <laughs> I had one one year that was like facts. Yeah. It was like facts about the universe or something, about the galaxy, but it was like really basic shit that yeah. anybody would know. It wasn't interesting. Um, it's a peanut butter one. Cool. Woo! I love... Uh, Reese's Pieces. I love Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan. So, just what you, you know, need to see E.T. Merry Christmas. I don't need to see E.T. But you'll have I a ready-made favorite snack time. Five star, I'm telling you. <laughs> Five star. Yeah, it's a bullshit product placement. Here we go. It's double wrapped, which is annoying. Actually, I think that's like, that's cool. That's like, good luck. That's like finding, like, you know, an egg with two yolks inside. <laughs> Maybe not as, you know. Yeah, that's a little bit more rare. But anyway, go ahead. Dig into that. It won't be very crunchy, I don't yeah. think. Smells good. Oh. I think that's we both have winners. I think you're, I mean, you know, I can ask you, but I feel like you're going to know. How many snakes is Jack yeah. Skellington putting under that tree this year? Oh, he's putting five. <laughs> he's just whipping five down, eating yeah. five presents. Delicious. I would recommend. Yeah. Um, stay, you know, ignore the packaging. If you're looking for an advent calendar a couple weeks into December, <laughs> this is a good one. To well, the, the good thing is if you're a couple weeks into December and you're looking for an advent calendar, I mean, you can literally just go ape shit and enjoy yourself on yeah, the first day of just getting a, yeah. a lot. Cause like, you know, seriously, that, really cheap. that's fucking horrible. That thing, because mm. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it'll teach you a little bit of, uh, you know, control, but I just know having like a bag of Reese's cups, like I'm going to end up eating all of them. <laughs> I'm like right here with these fucking are Kit you, Kats. I need to get them away from me. Cause I'm like going <laughs> to keep eating these little things. Are you, are you anti-advent calendar? Is that why you are you? Why do you hate Christmas? <laughs> Put the Christ back into Christmas, John. I'm not Don't be angel. a coward. Don't be afraid of all these people. You know who are afraid of Jesus and love. You know what? I, you know what it Christmas is. Christmas is about the birth of Santa. I'm actually jealous. I'm actually jealous because we have, I think, an advent calendar, but it's just one of those stupid paper ones. You know, because like Julia, I think like gets one from. Her parents every year, 
or whatever, which is fine. You know, it's nice. Mm-hmm. Just one of those having calendars. But uh, we also like never have the ones with candy inside. So it's just like I'm jealous. I don't get the little candy. The what's in them? It's just like a, you know, it's just like, you know, one of those cards with like a piece of paper. Oh, yeah, and you it's like open, it's just paper. Yeah, you okay. just open up the door. It's just a count like a classic countdown to Christmas. There's no there's no treat inside. You eat the, you eat the paper. <laughs> no. What do you eat? I don't understand. How is this an advent? How's this an advent calendar? <laughs> exactly, Phil. Exactly. Where's the advent? Julia's gonna be like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> you asshole. Uh speaking of Lock, Shock, and Barrel, I forgot there actually is one more character. There's uh, Ed Avery. He plays Santa Claus, the ruler of Christmas Town, or Santa Claus, or Sandy Claus, or whatever the Santa Claus. Sandy Claus. Santa Claus. The Claus. So many things. Um, but originally, Tim Burton wanted to cast Vincent Price as Santa, but Price's wife sadly passed away in 1991, and he was pretty grief stricken. And apparently, I guess he was already recording lines, but he just sounded too sad to be Santa. Oh, so fuck. they ended up just getting like a local actor named Edward Ivory to come in to replace him. Ivory also did some of the narration at the beginning and the end of the film as Santa, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. But this was also meant to be something that Vincent Price was going to do. Uh, but again, he was replaced. And uh, apparently James Earl Jones and Don Amici were also just going back to Don Amici again last week. I kind of say, yeah. Uh, yeah, they were also considered for the narration, but they weren't available. And the filmmakers had envisioned this like, opening and closing voiceovers to be a bit longer. And they actually had Patrick Stewart come in to record them. Um, but they decided to par them down for the film and they got Edward Ivory to do them, but they kept Patrick Stewart's recordings, which can be found on the film soundtrack. Speaking mm. of which, any, any favorite songs you already kind of said, I guess at the beginning, I like the first couple and then yeah. honestly, they all kind of blend together. And I don't know if that's me tuning out, yeah. Or if they just become less memorable. And like I said, a lot of the music is people just singing what they're doing rather than yeah. like <laughs> that song. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like, yeah, not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously some <laughs> of the most memorable, memorable ones are this is Halloween, this is Halloween. Yeah. What's this? What's this? Da, 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 da. Uh, yeah, not the Santa Claus. Da, 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 da. That one's like, yeah, whatever. Kind of slightly annoying, funny. but whatever. Uh yeah, making Christmas. An oogie boogie funny. song. Making Christmas. Yeah, making that one's Christmas. <laughs> making Christmas yeah. just sounds like a good fat guy song. Like you know, I'm a fat guy, so I can say <laughs> that. But like, it's a good one for a yeah, fat guy to sing, just sitting there. Yeah, like making back. Christmas, making Christmas. Yeah, Christmas it sounds like there's like food at the back of your throat, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah, chicken bone just stuck there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, oogie boogie song is pretty fun. Uh, Sally's song, mm-hmm. I think, is actually pretty good. Uh, towards the end of the film. And uh, funny enough, last Christmas, they did a uh, concert at Wembley Arena with Danny Elfman performing the songs live. But he had making a return this Christmas. You know, she was uh, a good parody song that I made for this artist last Christmas time. Oh, my God. She was was there. She was dressed up as uh, Sally and she came out to do Sally's song as well. So, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah, when it came to animate the film, they would shoot the film at 24 frames per second, meaning that they had to pose each character 24 times for each second of completed film. So A part of me loved the idea of working on something like that, yeah. and a part of me thinks I would blow my brain out really quickly. Yeah, it's like, 
you know when you were a little kid and you used to get like I see my nephews do it, so I know it still happens. Uh you 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 were like, dude, I'm I love drawing. I'm gonna fucking do a comic. You spend yeah. like 20 or 30 minutes like taking pieces of paper, folding them together, stapling them <laughs> into like a fucking comic mm. book, right? And then yeah. you have it all set and then you start like, you know, laying out your frames or whatever. You maybe you're drawing your frames first, and then you start to draw and you do like two or three panels, and then you're like, and they're bad and they're small. And you're like, dude, I'm fucking done. I'll do this tomorrow. I'm going to work on this tomorrow. You never (laughs) work on it ever again. And you're just wasted like five sheets of paper. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly what I would do if I was going to make a stop motion animated film. I'd be like, dude, I really like the idea of this. And it's like, dude, I can't. It's going to look like shit. It's going to look like every GIF I've ever made. (laughs) It's like it starts all kind of cool. And then just, yeah, this is shit. Fuck it. You know? But you also have that thing where, you know, you give a, th- a kid like a bunch of Lego and they'll sit there for days, like <laughs> not doing, you know, just playing like just kind of in their own world, like building shit. Yeah. And, like I like the idea of like doing something very, not even monotonous is not the right word, it is monotonous, but like, you know, you just frame by frame and you, you're just doing that and it's a long process, but you get the thing at the end, even yeah. though it's like you're doing like two seconds a day. Yeah. Yeah, even, yeah. Yeah. Of film. Um, but yeah, I, I, my God, the fucking pay, you can see why they're, they're hard to do and why they don't do them very often. It's like yeah. one a year, maybe you see. Yeah. If even it's like, we got a couple last year, we got like mad God and like Pinocchio. Um, and there's like, Whoever do those? There was a junkhead film as well from uh, Japan. Oh, junkhead! Like a very yeah, yeah, cool. Japanese version, but those took years to make. Both of them, yeah. years and years. And there was, then that company that made um, Cobra and the Two Leica. Yeah, they do a bunch of stop motion stuff, and I mean, there's the new Chicken Run now. Maybe come. Maybe it's getting a little bit of a comeback. Yeah, but like there were a lot of new films recently, but insane, yeah. insanely long process like you see those like time-lapse fucking yeah, footage yeah. of them making it and it's just oh god and it you can see like the dust and hairs move on the model yeah it's like really cool that. <laughs> yeah yeah it would, it would basically take them a full week to complete a minute of film and like i said it took them three years to to make this movie so it's fucking nuts <laughs> in total there were 109,440 frames taken for the film there were a lot of different inspirations taken for the look of the film, obviously influenced by Tim Burton's drawings, but also the works of Ray Harryhausen, Edward Gorey, Ronald Searle, and Charles Adams, to name just a few. There's lots of others. Um, Selleck described the production design as akin to a pop-up book. In addition, Selleck stated, when we reach Halloween Town, it's entirely German expressionism. When Jack enters mm. Christmas Town, it's an outrageous Dr. Seuss set piece. Finally, when Jack is delivering presents in the real world, everything is plain, simple, perfectly aligned. Uh, one of the hardest shots, though, was actually Jack discovering the portal to uh, Christmas Town, the doorway, when he's peering into the doorknob, because it's like basically mm. it's a close up shot, the shiny golden knob. It reflects his mournful skeleton as well as the trees behind him and stuff as he advances to open it. So it's like basically getting that reflection to look right. And I guess no cameras or anything in the reflection or whatever. It took a great deal of time. 
and attention mm-hmm. to get. As I mentioned earlier, The Nightmare Before Christmas was released under the Touchstone label of Disney. It was meant to be a feature animation release, but they felt, yeah, it's too weird. Too fucking weird. So Selick remembered their biggest fear was that it was kind of a stepchild project and that they were afraid of their core audience hating the film and not coming. To convey the idea that it was a Tim Burton project and to reach a wider audience, it was uh, marketed as Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas. Because of this, over the years, I think it's been pretty harmful to Henry Selleck that he doesn't get enough credit for directing the film. I mean, he does. Yeah. But, you know, the general audience, they see Tim Burton's name and they think Tim Burton directed it. So on the direction of the film, Henry Selleck stated, it's as though he, Burton, laid the egg and I sat on it and I hashed it. He wasn't involved in a hands-on way, but his hand is in it. It was my job to make it look like a Tim Burton film which is not so different from my own films. When asked about Tim Burton's involvement, Selick said, I don't want to take any away from anything away from Tim, but he was not in San Francisco when we made it. He came up five times over two years and spent no more than eight or ten days in total. So there you go, Phil. Henry Selick fucking made this film. I wasn't Put some trying respect to take on his anything name. away from him. <laughs> No, I'm just joking. Just I mean, you know, it's Tim Burton's like <laughs> no. baby, really, but you know. Yeah. Um, the film made its no, world probably. premiere on the opening day celebration of the New York Film Festival on October the 9th, 1993, and it was given a limited release on October the 13th, 1993, before its wide theatrical release on the 29th of October, 1993. Now, when the film was released, it was seen as a modest hit. It would uh, make $50 million in the U.S. in its initial run, and that was on a $24 million budget. Given that it didn't have a gigantic budget, it was like uh, $4 million cheaper to make than Aladdin, which came out in 1992. I guess everyone in Disney was pretty pleased, and it it just kind of felt like that was it. The film was out. Critics and audiences Mm -hmm. liked it. Roger Ebert praised the film's visual inventiveness. He said... One of the many pleasures of Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas is, see, even he's fucking saying it's Tim Burton's, uh, <laughs> is that there is not a single recognizable landscape in it. Everything looks strange and haunting. Even Santa Claus would be difficult to recognize without his red and white uniform. <laughs> he wrote that it presented a uh, world that is completely new as worlds we saw for the first time in such a film as Metropolis or The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari or Star Wars. What all of these films have in common is a visual richness, so abundant they deserve more than one viewing. He wrote that the songs by Danny Elfman are fun too, a couple of them using uh, lyrics so clever that they could be an updated from Gilbert and Sullivan. And the choreography, liberated from gravity and reality, has its own energy, has an energy of its own. As when the furniture, the architecture, and the very landscape of itself gets in on the act. He notes that some of the Halloween creatures might be a tad scary for smaller children, but this is the kind of movie older kids will eat up. It was that kind of offbeat, subversive energy that tells them wonderful things are likely to happen. (laughs) So, how did this film that was considered a modest hit that people sort of remembered and liked, but kind of, you know, forgot about, become a goddamn phenomenon? Hot topic. Of Disney's roster of lovable characters, Phil, you said it. Hot fucking topic. Roger <laughs> Ebert was right. It's the kind of shit the older kids will eat up. 
Yes. And they kind of did over years and years of merchandise being sold through Hot Topic. Apparently, the first merchandise that appeared in Hot Topic was actually in 1994. So maybe you just take into account the Hot Topic's reach around the globe, or at least mm. in America. I don't know. If, was it ever over here, Hot Topic? No. But we had shops like probably, it. Yeah. But you think of Hot Topic's reach in America. Like when I was a kid, I knew of what Hot Topic was, but it wasn't in my mall. It wasn't in the mall in my hometown, but you could go 45 minutes to a much bigger mall uh, in Greensboro, North Carolina, and there was Hot Topic there. And it was like, oh, wow, Hot Topic. They sell punk rock T-shirts and, you know, Nightmare Before Christmas and anime (laughs) shit and, you know, like all sorts of stuff. Uh, So it was kind of like, you know, funny. Uh, But yeah, as that started to branch out around the United States, obviously more and more kids had access to buy their fucking Nightmare Before Christmas T-shirts and DVDs and all sorts of other bullshit that they had. And yeah, apparently Hot Topic, you know, in the first year that they sold Nightmare Before Christmas merchandise, the sales numbers were 10 times the projected amount. And it was just kind of a pairing that made perfect sense. And it would, you know, basically shape the fate of both franchises for the next three decades. And then in the years after its release, Nightmare was embraced by audiences in the home home video market. You had basically the film coming out on VHS and then later on DVD connected with people even perhaps especially younger viewers who felt like Jack, you know, that they were misunderstood or destined for more than their circumstances allowed. So people really attached to the character. And like I said, it feels like it was around the 10th anniversary of the film coming out. They really started to like, just really get fucking popular and more people were buying the merch and Disney was more interested in promoting the film because in 2006 for the 13th anniversary of the film, They would re-release it, and this time under the Walt Disney banner. It was officially a part of the Walt Disney family, uh, this time in 3D, earning more than $8.7 million in the U.S. Henry Selick said that Disney didn't know what they had, but they eventually figured it out. (laughs) (laughs) It took them a while. Yeah. And obviously, the continued success of the characters led to them appear in Disney theme parks and video games like the Disney and Square Enix uh, co-produced like phenomenon kingdom hearts i mean that was yeah, fucking yeah. huge mm-hmm. the cult status also set the stage for other you know dark children's animated films like corpse bride paranorman Coraline, you know all that shit so yeah it just proved to be like a thing that they could really get made and make these weird dark films that could be age appropriate for kids which I think mm. is cool. I mean, I always liked weird dark shit, so I think it's cool that you can make shit like this and like. Yeah, you know. I'm still. I'm glad this shit's still out there for kids. I'm assuming like us, who were a bit liked weirder shit, you know, growing yeah. up and yeah, yeah, gravitated to more stuff like this. And then older kids like it, and the younger kids who want to be like the older kids like it, and it just. And then you have a bunch of grown-ups who are very nostalgic for it, and they just and yeah, you show yeah. it to their kids, and it keeps going, going, and going, and going. So in grand total, in the numerous re-releases the Nightmare Before Christmas has had over the years, it's now <laughs> earned a total of $101.2 million at the box office, so Ooh. double what it initially earned, nice. which is pretty impressive, because films don't always do that. They don't always earn that much in yeah. re-releases and stuff. So yeah. Have we... I know. Well, I mean, we sh- obviously we show it all the time at the at the summer. Yeah. I mean, we show it a lot during Christmas. Have we ever done a sing along version of it? Yeah, we used to do sing alongs. 
for Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, yeah. man, I never saw it. That, that, we I'm really just like, thinking that would be really good. Could they have it on Disney Plus? They have a sing-along version. Yeah, yeah. That I keep seeing advertised. And I was like, oh, that would be fucking great, actually. We've really simplified our like special events around Christmas. I think in general, just special events have kind of like, they're not as popular as they used to be at the cinema. Uh, yeah, other things have become more popular, so we don't have to use special events as much of a crutch or something like that. Yeah, but. you probably noticed that uh, the thing along it have been cut, stripped down quite a bit. We don't do as yeah. many of them film-wise. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah. Same with like, we don't do the elf yeah, Elf Quotalong doesn't help happen mm. this year or last year either. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a shame. I kind of like the Elf one, but I don't know. I guess maybe it just wasn't think, warranting the yeah, space. Post, it wasn't as popular. Post-COVID. post-COVID. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a weird one because it did involve some eating. food. <laughs> a um, food content, food yeah. eating content. Yeah, so Nightmare Before Christmas, yeah, we're not showing a sing-along this year. Maybe we'll be back in the future, but uh, mm. you can catch it. The next shows as of this episode going out will be the 17th to 21st and the 24th of December at the Prince Charles Cinema. Get your tickets, princecharlescinema.com. But you want to get them fast if you want to come out because they are going fast and there's not that many screenings of it. So, And I think yeah. most of them might be upstairs as well. So, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Could I opened one the other day and it was upstairs and it pretty much sold out. People, people wearing the jumpers and shirts and stuff. There's very few screening people come like not dressed up, but like representing, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's an easy one to do, you know, because this oh, is yeah. like a merchandise. Like I said, man, fucking it's out Everywhere. there. They're out there. They're ready for it. Well, that's great. Um, you know, it's not, it's not my cup of tea. I, like I said, I never wore the jumpers or anything. Yeah. I think I had like maybe a Jack Skellington mug at one point, but that was just like a gift that was given to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a giant mug and I love a giant mug. Thanks, Phil. Chime up. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um, but no, I, 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 you know, I think it's great. It's, it's a fun time and it's a good, it's, and it's short and it's like totally unique, you know, mm. even if it is like aping a lot of things that existed previously, it lovingly does so in the way that a Star Wars lovingly apes off of, uh, you know, the, the films that influenced it. And mm. Zack Snyder's Rebel Moon is doing the same. <laughs> <laughs> and we've come full circle. <laughs> yes. Next week, our final week of Naughty or Nice. Oh, shit. It's over. We gave our uh, patron backers there the choice between two films. 2003. We're doing it again, Phil. Another anniversary. Mm. You, you notice because we did 83 the first week. 93 no this way. week. No way. Next week, two choices from the year 2003. The naughty film, Bad Santa, the nice film, Elf. And uh, just to spoil some things for you because, uh, you know, we are recording this immediately after this. You guys are some naughty, very, very naughty listeners. You're naughty Naughty. children. And we know that now. Naughty. Naughty. Phil's going to give you all a a lump of coal. A lump of coal. Straight or, up, the, straight in the butt. Maybe a lump of nar. <laughs> lump of nar, bro. <laughs> lump of nar, bro. <laughs> gonna wake up Christmas morning, all excited. You're gonna open the presents. You're gonna think it's a new bike. Nar. Nah. Pure nar. Nar. Pure nar, bro. Pure nar. 
It's like a it's like a bike, but you get on it and then it just puts you on a immediately on a half pipe and it's fucking yeah, terrifying. You're just on like it. flying. You're flying through the air. Yeah. It's like a magical gen- gnar bike. Yeah. And you're gender swapped <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> it's a merry Narmus. To them. The Paul Jones.